there's no one human that I've ever met or known that was more passionate about rodeo than my dad. And so I got some of that from him. He did it all. Like he could catch that right horn, left horn. He was a PRCA judge. He had rode bareback horses. He picked up the most and he died in a rodeo arena. It was just like, was such a blessing. Up? Yeah, he had a heart attack picking up in Holotus. I usually always went to Holotus with him, but I had got a gig fighting bulls for Sammy Andrews. And I was in Paris, Texas that night. Jacobs Crawley called me. Mm-hmm. And I just happened to have my phone in my, I was tying in a bareback horse. But yeah, he was just, he was super passionate about it. And, and it just carried over to me. And it's kind of, most of the time it's a blessing. Sometimes it's a curse, but he died with $800 in his account. Yeah, we just kind of roll with it. Nice. The small sip. There was two Alsips in Jacksboro, Texas. There's two in Graham. Really? Yeah. Well, Graham's, is Graham bigger than Jacksboro? Yeah. Yeah. So that makes a little more sense. Right. Uh, yeah, Subways and Alsips. It's like there's two in every little small town, and that's yeah. really made a whole lot of sense to me. Yeah. Gas, burritos, and sandwiches. Uh, where are we technically now, though? Is this technically Newcastle? Uh, yes. Yeah, the ranch is in Winnebago. Warehouse is in Newcastle. Yeah. Yeah. So, but family's always been here? No, no. Uh, I grew up in a town called Memphis. Okay. And, um, yeah, my sister moved here and, um, I was working for her husband years ago and been here just eight years now. Oh, you haven't been here that long. No. Yeah. We, I spent time all over Texas. It's always been in Texas, most of my life in Memphis, then better part of a decade in a decade in uh, College Station. Yeah, you, and, you went to school there? Well, I just like to live in college towns, so, <laughs> but we, I, I lived at multiple places within 30 miles of College Station, so ran a ranch outside of there. That was the last place before I came here. And that was about eight years ago? Yep. But you, so you were working for your brother-in-law here though when you moved out here? Yes, sir. Was he just ranching or what was he? Doctor in Nearlands. He okay. was running Nearlands. So uh, there's a lot of wheat pasture around here. Uh-huh. And so, yeah, he's got cows and he's got a grain elevator where he'll buy, sell, trade wheat seed. And um, with all those connections with those wheat farmers, the ones that aren't harvesting it, we'd, we'd run Nearlands on them. We were, we were running about 2,000 head, which is kind of a smaller operation for some of the guys around here. But, um, yeah, it was just me and him looking after him. And I did that for a year. That's what got me here. And then I kind of, then I decided to go full-time rodeo time. And, uh, I was rodeoing a lot at the time and, um, that didn't slow down, but, uh, just went from rodeoing and day working to rodeoing and rodeo time Dale Brisby dot com well rodeotime.com yeah. it started with just making videos right mm-hmm. just simple videos yeah you just do it for fun that was 10 years ago 2013 july july 1st 2013 was the first video that was before you moved out here right yeah so um that was a couple years before i moved out here yeah Did, was your brother were y'all together down in yep college station yep and then i moved up here six months later he moved here and you both were riding Bronx. Yep. Right? Yeah. And Bulls. 
See, I guess I, yeah, well, yeah. So, but you, you did, you did actually ride bulls? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> okay. I and bareback. That. Okay. And, and, and oh, I didn't bulls. even know you rode bareback too. Yep. Oh yeah. You did everything. And fight bulls. Okay. I got my PRCA card fighting bulls too. Oh, I didn't even know that. Mm-hmm. So were you doing all of it simultaneously? Sometimes. Or just on and off? Well, I mean, I wouldn't ride all three and fight bulls. At the sure. <laughs> sure. Sometimes. Well, I don't know. Sometimes it, I might fight bulls and ride Bronx. Sure. It wouldn't surprise me if you were riding do it and fighting. If anybody fighting. could do it, I could do it. That's a fact. If could, I could. Yeah, I grew up on the rough stock end of the arena. Okay. Yeah, like that's, I haven't like officially, I've picked up at a rodeo, but not like as, I, I haven't been like hired as a pickup man. I, I guess unless you count like when my dad hired me, like when I was in like high school and I, I picked up like Archer City one year. But, uh, and then I got to pick up the same rodeo he passed on, he passed at. I picked up that rodeo a year later, same perf, same day he died, one year after, on the same horse he died on. That was pretty cool. Whoa. But, anyways, I didn't mean to go there. What I was going with that is everything you can do on the rough stock into the arena, I've always just been super passionate about. Yeah. And so, like, I've done all those things in the rodeo arena with the exception of picking up. So, like, bullfighting, bareback, saddle bronc, bull run. What was your, man, like I wasn't raised around rodeo or horses or anything. I kind of had to learn it uh, on my own. But my brother-in-law was a horseshoer. So like at the end of high school, I started working for him and that's how I got introduced to all of it. But I grew up in Decatur, so I was around a bunch of people that obviously rodeoed at a high level. A lot of timies around there. But yeah, for sure. Uh, but like you, you probably know, it, it's an industry that can be a bit difficult to break into. There's, uh, you know, it can be a, a bit, uh, guarded at times. And so it, it was always curious to me, you're somebody that was like raised with it and you were, you were in it, uh, neck deep. Uh, but it seems like you make a pretty conscientious effort to include people that maybe aren't, weren't raised around it or don't know anything about it, but you seem pretty cool to help those types of people. Like, where did you get that from? Because I don't think it's typical in the So I grew up, my dad was always uh, teaching uh, Saddle Bronc at um, Sankey Rodeo Schools. Lyle Sankey, he went to the NFR in all three Rough Stock events. He's in the Hall of Fame. He's only one of four people that went in all three. It was Lyle, Ty Murray, Jim Shoulders, Larry Mahan. And so he's one of four that has done that. Anyway, he puts on 20, 30 schools a year all over the country. SankeyRodeo.com for those of you who want to go. Uh, but my dad growing up, like since before I was born, he was teaching the bronc riding at those. So I would bebop around those. My dad was always helping young people. And then in college, I just, I, I always seemed to be the guy who had access to, um, I, I wanted to, I was always practicing. Like I had to be getting on something. And so I don't know. I just seemed to constantly have people come to me that wanted to get on their first bull Mm -hmm. or like I call it like a bucket list bull ride or you know just see what it was like firemen like these Canadians um, football players at A&M multiple football players baseball players like just drunks like anybody yeah girls wanted to get on a steer like anything I was always helping people get on their first one and not that I was qualified but you know (laughs) at the time like they didn't have any other options so have you ever been to uh, Chili Fest? I haven't. It's in Snook. It's right outside of right, College Station. Right. Guy that owns that arena and owns that property is called, named Kermit Moss. Yeah. An NFR team roper. I think he won the average in 95. 
Um, and there was a, his right hand man at the time was Garrison Gable. Fast forward in life, I would be his best man at his wedding, but Garrison and I became good friends and we helped Kermit put on a, a summer series, the Snook series. And I was in charge of the rough stock. Garrison was in charge of the timed event. And, um, uh, so yeah, we, I would, I just always was around a, a practice pin. Um, that setting was a place in College Station where we were always going out. And then everything about my life was was fashioned around doing this for the rest of my life. So like there was not a world where I couldn't, I needed a pin. Like I would save up money for panels, save up money for bucking shoots, for bucking horses, where are we going to keep them? Like that was, those were the logistics I tried to figure out all the time, every time. Like it was, there was never, it was never any other plan. It was always rodeo, no matter what. Like I sold vitamins in college so that I could rodeo. I sold firewood, horses, anything so that I could rodeo. And um, with that pin, you know, when you buck rough stock, it's just always better to have people around. And when you buck a bucking horse, you got to have at least five. If you're bucking a bull, you and one other person can do it. Guys have gotten hurt doing it by themselves, actually. Like there's, you know, guys get creative. But with horses, you need about half a dozen. And so it's always good to have as many people around as you can, as you can get. It's more fun that way. So when rodeo time fired up, about the time I decided I needed some help around the ranch, this kid reached out and said he needed an internship. And that was about five years ago. And in a way, I'd already had interns. Guys come work on the ranch for free and learn. But this now became official, and it was something that was shared, and we they were called interns. And uh, Deanie Weenie String Bikini was his name. Where's uh, Deanie Weenie at? He's, he works for various people in, in the industry. Okay. Um, last I heard, he was working for Cinch, so he kind of stayed in the industry. Oh, cool. Uh, was he already in it? No. Okay. No. And that's the cool thing about an internship. You do get to learn while you're there, whatever craft you want to learn, but you also get to meet a lot of people, and you get to meet you know, various people in the industry. Mm -hmm. Any internship is hopefully that's something that comes with the territory that you get to meet people. Uh, this is very particular though, in the sense that if you're not, we're a uh, niche within a niche. Yeah. Rodeo good. within the Western industry. Definitely. So, um, we get very specific, which is good because, um, I think that's, that's helpful. You know, sometimes you can get too broad, you know, you can get too wide open. Definitely. So, but when you've got this specific of a niche, it kind of makes, makes it easier to corner the market, I guess. Yeah. It was fascinating that. Uh, you had the success that you did because it, it seemed so obvious. Like once you had a lot of the success, it's like, wow, this is totally a market that's totally unserved, but yet nobody had done it. And you're still kind of one of the only people that is doing it and doing it the way that you are. It's very unique. Yes, sir. It's, it couldn't be more like if, let's say I'm providing something the market needs, like if it needed something just 0.01% different, I don't know that I could do it sure. as well. Like this is like, meaning like this is my passion. This is what got, like I was the class clown. I was passionate about rodeo. My old man was also an ag teacher at one time. So he put me in everything FFA, all these speaking events. So like those three things came together. Like I, I wasn't embarrassed to talk in front of a camera. Um, I was at least trying to make people laugh. And I was, I, there's no one human 
that I've ever met or known that was more passionate about rodeo than my dad. And so I got some of that from him and, and ranching. Was he, was he a and producer or? We did that a little bit, okay. but he, he, he did it all. Like he, he yeah. told me when I was a kid, he, he looked back and thought that he had been a jack of all trades, a master of none, but he could do everything. He could, like, he could catch that right horn, left horn on a, you know, when he was heading, he, uh, he was a PRCA judge. He would judge some PRCA rodeos. He had rode bareback horses. Um, the, the, in, in Amarillo by morning, the, the video, there's two bareback riders. One of them gets hung up and the other one's got a brown vest on. And that's my dad. Wow. Um, he rode Bronx the longest. He's got videos of, he's got old pictures of him riding bulls. He picked up the most. Um, and he died in a rodeo arena. It was just like, was such he picking a blessing? Up? Yeah, he had a heart attack picking up in Holotus. Holy cow. Yeah. How old were you? I mean, like, it was 10 years ago. Like, I wasn't, I was, I was, I usually always went to Holotus with him, but I had got a gig fighting bulls for Sammy Andrews, and I was in Paris, Texas that night fighting mm -hmm. bulls. And, uh, yeah, Jacobs Crawley called me, mm -hmm. and I just happened to have my phone in my, I was tying in a bareback horse. And, anyways, yeah. But, uh, but yeah, he was just, he was super passionate about it and, and it just carried over to me and it's kind of, most of the time it's a blessing. Sometimes it's a curse, but he yeah. died with $800 in his account. Like he, he was also a cowboy. Um, he was also a cowboy. He, he, he worked at the pitchfork whenever I was born. That's where we were. It, it, it neighbors the four sixes and that's where I always wanted to go was the pitchfork. I, I was either going to be a rodeo cowboy work on the pitchfork or go to the military. And I just never got off of the rodeo cowboy part. So right now you probably could have never imagined that it would turn into what it has. And you, I wouldn't think that you had a vision that it would, that it would be like this, like those three things that you listed off. I mean, you kind of do those now, but just in a very, very different way than I would think you could have ever imagined when you were first making your videos did you ever have like a real plan of like where this could go or where it was headed could you foresee the technology of the internet well I had I had already been being a goofball and you know prank calling and having a good time and doing that prior to the first video um and so we turned on the camera and it was just fun and that's what we did and then um Following that, it took about two or, th I mean, we didn't even start making money on YouTube till like four years after we were using copyrighted music. And, uh, I think the apparel and the YouTube revenue showed up about the same time. Okay. And, uh, the apparel first actually, but anyways, whatever. Um, I began to see like, you know, fast forward to what, I, or rewind to what I said earlier about like being a salesman, like selling vitamin, like I loved sales, still do. Like I love sales like that as far as how to make money, like I'd rather sell than be in service. And, uh, so that fell into my wheelhouse with rodeo time and, um, being the brand that Dale Brisby, you know, helped grow and push. And I began to see a formula of providing value with videos, value in the form of comedy and entertainment. That's number one. The day I stopped doing that is the day I begin to lose. And it's the day I, I deserve to lose. Like I've got to bring value to people. Sure. Um, and the more value I bring, then I've got, I've 
the more value I bring, the more permission I get to ask for a potential purchase. And as I bring that value, I'm branding. Mm -hmm. So rodeo time apparel, and then a few sponsors. So is, is there a pretty conscientious effort to make things usually humor based? Yeah, because that's my wheelhouse. Okay. Occasionally I'll do something serious. Yeah. You know, like the, the, I made, for instance, one of my last posts was this elk that I just harvested, you know, like most of that, I think maybe the first line or two was funny, but most of that was serious, you know, like, right. and it's obviously something like, you know, that wasn't no skit we were out there doing and I accidentally harvest, you know, got an elk, you know, that was like very intentional, serious thing. And so like, you do see that side of it, but yeah, even probably the post I'm going to put up today, like we're riding a bull, but then I'm also cracking a bull whip and making jokes and like, sure, you know, it's just in here usually with business, I'm, I'm serious more often than not. And yeah. when we video, it's when I get to be me and let loose and do what I want to do and be funny. Um, but that's the, that's our wheelhouse. And, you know, a lot of people for some reason just assume this is a flash in the pan for us. But the thing that drives this boat is what I enjoy the most. Okay. You know, it'd be like if, if, if you were most passionate about recording music and playing on stage, if that was, if the, which I'm sure it is, if that's the thing you're most passionate about, well, then it gives you a little bit of job security because that's what you got to do and be good at. If you were most passionate about getting to eat in cool restaurants on the road and <laughs> partying after, sure. and those other things weren't your top passion, then it's probably got, you probably got a clock ticking, um, or at least a shorter one than otherwise. And yeah. so that's one thing for us. Like we, we, we love when we turn the camera on, like we enjoy it and don't get me wrong. There's some days it's 110 degrees and it's, it's work. It is W O R K. Sure. But you know, it's okay to love your work and nine times out of 10, like we, we can't wait to film tomorrow. Like, I don't know if you, what are y'all doing tomorrow? We're going to rope a bull out of a pickup Perfect. like they do in Australia. Perfect. We're going to try it. Yeah, yeah. Uh, do they like tie off or what do they do? Yeah. Yeah. Okay. I mean, I'm sure some people have dallied. It's just a little more dangerous. Yeah, for sure. But we'll probably tie off somewhere on the pickup. Yeah. Hopefully the bull will rip it apart. Yeah. <laughs> um, but yeah, like, and, and so the video will be like, we tried to do this and it's like, man, that's, we're curious how it's going to go, you know? So I can't imagine like the thumbnail entitled the the audience should be the same. So, yeah. but that's fun to me. Totally. That's super, like, that's interesting. You know what I'm saying? Like if you had an extra two hours and I told you that's what we were doing, you'd be like, how hey, can I go? Absolutely. Can I go check that? Yeah. And so, so long as we do that, it, it boils down to so long as you're, so long as you're interesting, they'll be interested. And then that's it. And the other part is, is like 20 years ago, you needed a middleman, a production company, an agent, a manager, something. But in here, it's that camera and the internet. So long as they don't cut the internet off, on the other side of the internet is the audience. Yep. And if I'm good enough, then they'll approve me. Yep. And that's what's been interesting over the years is like seeing these gray hairs in the industry that are like, kind of like, I don't know about this. Well, the mob does. Sure. So. Sure. Yeah, I don't care what you think. Most you know, people like, hate it. You can go straight to the people that exactly, yeah. like, like I don't know about the, well, your customer does, you know. And like, I'm not trying to be sassy. I, I'm specifically thinking of two or three people over sure. the last decade that have just like, 
one person said Dale Brisby was the worst thing to happen to pro rodeo. And I'm just like, I don't know. Interesting. The worst? Is it because surely there's something else? Because you're not serious enough? PETA? Have we, I mean, is maybe, are they not the worst? Maybe. Maybe I'm above them. Maybe. (laughs) I'm not saying I'm the best, but surely I'm not (laughs) the worst. Sure. Um, There's no resentment there. No, not at all. I don't want to say any names, but his name is. No, I'm just Please. Oh, I'm I'm so ready for it. I'm just kidding. (laughs) So ready. Maybe one day. I will get it out. Well, we'll be doing, we're, we're, we do this for four hours, so I'll get it. Good. Yeah. That's fine. Yeah. yeah. So is uh, these the type of people that you're talking about when you say, f- like, flash in the pan, they, they say that you're... Yeah, there was another guy who's actually a friend of mine. He was like, oh, there's just a flash in the pan. That's just not going to work out. And my lawyer, he's my college roommate, and he was the one told me that this one particular guy, that mutual friend of ours, t- said that. And I don't let... I don't like for that kind of stuff to fuel me. Like, I'd rather c- kind of like just my passion for making people laugh be a fuel. Like, I don't... Tr- I try not to let haters fuel me sure but it is kind of it is it is funny like you know that guy said that and it's like dang and then we celebrate 10 years which is what we in the biz call a decade and i'm like well a decade is more than a flash in the pan you know absolutely so you find it difficult to obviously your brand is so so attached to to you Mm -hmm. and you as like a character Mm mm-hmm um, do you find that difficult? If you could go back, would you have made that attachment so strong? Would you have tried to do something a little bit different? Or? Um, so if you get into the conversation of like an exit, if I were looking for an exit and I wanted somebody to buy rodeo time, sure, you know, then maybe, but like, that's never been my plan and oh, okay. my plan now. I mean, if somebody came up to me and was like, tried to make me an offer on rodeo time as a brand. And, you know, I think, could it stand on its own? Absolutely. Yeah. Would there need to be some five-year plan for Dale Brisby to stay involved? Great. You know, like, but that's not my plan. I've never really thought of that. Um, nobody's ever approached me because maybe for that reason that they, they think Dale Brisby needs to stay a part of it. But essentially what this is for me is, I mean, it's my passion, but it's also like, it's my life. I get to live this every day. And so... I think God had a plan. The way he orchestrated my upbringing, the way he orchestrated my education, my friends, me and being, me being passionate about rodeo rather than polo, you know, I think that God just had a plan. One thing in rodeo that I'd always struggled with was like, if I was, if I made a good ride, how do I accurately give God glory for that? Mm. In the conversation of, for instance, maybe an atheist, or just a non-believer. Like, how do I give glory to God in that with that person in conversation if they just saw me make the good ride? Okay. And I've I struggled with that. Like, how do I how do I communicate it? How do I say it? Well, and because they, they could argue, yeah, but you just did that. Sure. You worked real hard and you did that. Well, with this path that I've been on over the last ten years. With rodeo time, it's shown me it's so incredibly easy for like to the atheist to anybody. Like I could name off like these ninety-seven different things that came together that were just impeccable timing. Uh, for instance, like had this happened just a few years earlier, with the way the internet was going, social media, and all those things, like it wouldn't have happened. Yeah, or. You know, had it, my dad not been the ag teacher, my involvement with FFA or rodeo or me being a class clown, like I, I was probably just 
the least likely voted to succeed. You know, like I just, I was a joke, literally I was a joke and people didn't take me serious growing up. And, and that's, those are the things that God used in my life. And so that's been fun is to get to see, and maybe that's just maturity. And as I've gotten older, I was going to realize that anyway, but specifically with the path I've been on, it's like, man, God had a plan and he's still, it's still unfolding. How do you answer this? So I'll play devil's advocate, assuming I'm like an atheist or something or somebody who, who, you know, doesn't come from Christian perspective. Uh, are you saying that if you become a Christian and you follow God, like good things will happen to you financially and no. you'll be successful? Okay. So like, how do you combat that? Cause that's what I've always struggled with is the idea of when, when seemingly good things happen to me, like I want to give thanks and glory to God for it, but I also don't want to make it confusing to people who maybe don't believe. Uh, Cause there is obviously something going around in popular Christianity that I personally despise. And it's that kind of prosperity gospel type stuff. For sure. If you are a Christian, you'll have health, wealth, prosperity, all yeah, these yeah. good things will happen to you. Not the case. I mean, if you read the Bible, it's quite to the contrary. Yeah. Like, I mean, all the, all, all the, the disciples died of martyr. Exactly. It's in, you know, pick up your cross and follow me, crucify yourself daily, those types of things. But in popular Christianity, it's a lot about the things that you can achieve of this world, right? Mm -hmm. Like what you can get. And it starts to turn a little bit into like God's a genie in a bottle. Mm -hmm. And so I resist that a lot. So I struggle a lot with like being thankful, you know, in front of people and giving glory to God, but I also don't want to make it confusing. With yeah. So I just briefly mentioned it earlier. I didn't, I don't know. It didn't fit in the conversation, but you might've noticed when I said like my dad died with $800 in his account uh -huh. and we split that four ways, you know, sure. it's just do the math, you know, um, day work pays better than that. But if I had to choose the men I wanted to be in my life a thousand times out of a thousand, I would choose my dad. And I know some other men that have a lot of money. I just don't think that you can view success through the lens of money. And, you know, a guy, my neighbor and I, we talk about, you know, God's plan and, and, the, and he was talking to me about, and he's, a, he's a successful businessman. And he said, uh, you know, I was praying about this one particular decision and I really felt that God impressed on my heart that it would be a success. And so I decided to do it. And then a couple of days later, I realized like, I hope what I, or who knows, but God's version of success in that particular story may not be what my original thought was. So for instance, like, you know, I mean, there's that parable about the, the guy who has the horse that runs off and like, mm -hmm. oh no, it's like, well, I don't know, good or bad. J.R. Verzane said it, you know, on my podcast, like, but essentially what what it means for me in in well tell as, tell the tell the little parable. I don't know it oh you don't, don't is that the one where it, he he finds a horse it's like good or bad breaks his leg yeah yeah and okay. then his son breaks his leg and yeah. it's like well that's that sucks well good or bad we don't know well then there's a draft and he doesn't have to go to war yeah. and it's like well that's good well we don't know I don't know you know you know what totally. I mean? like um but regardless um as my neighbor said it. I don't know what success in God's eyes in this particular situation looks like. And so that's something that's always in the back of my mind. Um, I think something that has impacted me, a quote that's impacted me lately, 
uh, changed my life is it's a book by Andrew Murray. It's called, it's just called Humility. I've been studying this for about a year and a half and it came out in that sermon that I posted online that you were an hour to. Yeah, I recommend everybody listen to that. What church one was it at? It was in Throckmorton. Okay. Um, Donnell Brown and them started kind of a church in an old church and asked me to speak. And But the quote, Andrew Murray quote, I'll, I'll, I'll kind of paraphrase it, but the quote was, um, accept with gratitude anything that reminds you of your need for humility or brings you to it. So a lot of people might say that you know, for instance, we've all heard the Michael Jordan story about him not making his varsity basketball team in high school. Mm-hmm. And then he went on to become Michael Jordan. Yep. And so they might be think they might agree with Andrew Murray and like, yeah, you need to be thankful for your failures because they'll fuel you, fuel you to be successful. And yeah, they might do that. But what, what Andrew Murray is saying is to be grateful for the things that humble you like a failure mm-hmm. because that's where we're called to stay in front of God. So it's not so that we can rise up and beat all our adversaries and enemies and all that. It's so that we can, um, the lower, the lower, the, the lower the man is, the more, the easier, the, I'm trying I'm blanking on the, on the deal. Hey, can you turn that down just a little bit, Donnie? Thanks for um, the lower a man is, the faster and speedier the spirit of God can fill him. Mm. And I, I, I just, I think that all the world's problems stem from pride. I think all the world's answers stem from humility. My problems stem from pride. Pride. I'll, I think all of ours do. Mine do. Yeah, really every sin or what you call a sin can be traced back to pride. I, pride is what made the devil the devil. He, he got too proud of his beauty and who he was and he tried to elevate himself to the level of God. Now what brought a third of the angels with him. And then yeah. and then humility is what made Jesus Jesus. Mm-hmm. Like he humbled himself to the point of death on a cross. And so I think that pride can keep you out of heaven because so long as you're looking down on people you never look up. Yeah, the the really striking thing, and it's something that I've struggled with, and I heard you talk about it in the sermon, was uh, the idea of being humble, though, um, can oftentimes be prideful mm-hmm. uh, if you are doing it for attention. or Being humble for the sake of people knowing you're humble is inherently prideful. Mm-hmm. And I find that fascinating. When I got saved, that was one of my one of my big kind of skewers in my heart was was humility. Cause it, and it wasn't even necessarily that... Uh, I was like an overly humble person. It was just exposing just how sinful we really are, Mm -hmm. where it's like, you can be trying to do the right thing. You can be trying to be humble, but you could be prideful in doing so. And it's like, it just, it exposes total depravity. Your pride can cause you to do a lot of things. For instance, like abstain from alcohol, abstain from sexual immorality, um, like anger. It can, your pride can make you brave. Like uh, you can put a list of things on there. And what C.S. Lewis says is the devil is perfectly contented to see your chill brains cured in exchange for giving you cancer. Mm. So a chill brain is like a sore. 
yeah. a cold sore or just like a bump on your arm. Like he's perfectly content to see like all those things cured a scratch if he can in turn give you cancer. And that's what pride is. It's spiritual cancer. These other sins are like C.S. Lewis calls flea bites, like sexual immorality, drunkenness. Those are flea bites compared to pride. Mm. And what that makes, reminds me of is like gum. Like that's why, you know, the, and, and he says there'll be people that get to heaven. They're like, did we not cast out demons in your name? And he says, depart from me. I never knew you. And I think rewind that their, their original intention was a prideful one. And it was about them. And it wasn't about, you know, advancing the kingdom or yeah, so did you come from, like, how were you raised? Were you, like, a pretty legalistic type Baptist, the Church no, of Christ? I don't, no. No, did my dad sort of... definitely wasn't, like, my dad was My dad was a man of faith. Um, he definitely had some of that cowboy pride in him, looking back. But, like, he was, I believe that he was ultimately very humble, looking at just the points in our life, and, and he... Yeah. Yeah. Humility is one thing. Like I, I remember the, the two things I've always said, I remember most about my dad was his faith and his loyalty. Okay. But, um, and there was, he definitely was, was proud at times, but. Cause you kind of alluded to in your sermon, you kind of alluded to the idea of some of your struggles has been, there's things that you know are right ways of living that you really emphasize no cursing, don't drink, like those types of things. But you also identified those as sources of pride in your life too. You yeah. Started... So, so I think that, I think that I may have, I just didn't realize the role pride was playing. Like I remember, um, deciding to follow Jesus. I remember like thinking like, this is the path I'd like to get on. And I start going down that path and I see these rules and like, I've, I've never drank alcohol ever. And at first my dad did it. So it was just kind of like, okay, well, I guess I won't do that. And then I turned 21. I definitely wasn't going to do it before I turned 21, you know, and then I turned 21. I was like, I don't want to drink. And, and I think it was now looking back, like it was hard for me not to be prideful about that at times, you know, especially in a, in a setting where it was so rare, mm -hmm. college rodeo, mm -hmm. like everybody did. And I didn't, it was just something everybody knew about me. And in a lot of ways, it was maybe st something people, uh, even more so, like I had friends that were proud of it for me. Okay. Um, but like, I can look back to that and I don't want to, I don't want to be too hard on a younger me. Like, I think I did that for good reasons, but there were definitely times when I was proud sure. of it. Sure. hundred percent. Sure. Uh, I guess on the flip side, it'd be better. It's better than being proud of doing it. I mean, cause a lot of, people are super proud of the horrific lifestyle that they, that they live. Yeah. I, I just, I just think that, right. Yeah. You know, I don't know. Yeah. Yeah. It would be better than being proud of something sinful for sure. But, um, but anytime pride gets involved, I'm, it terrifies me now knowing that like pride is spiritual. So like drinking sex, um, gluttony with food like those are all friends that sins of the flesh okay you know pride is spiritual yeah i've never actually had anybody that sounds very very simplistic and it makes a lot of sense but i guess i've never actually analyzed it that way that there are more spiritual sins than there are physical yeah like 
sins of yeah but well yeah i guess the catholic church always taught that right wasn't there sins of admission and sins of i don't know what they or something like that I don't know what they teach. I'm not Catholic, but neither am I. We picked up some Catholic stuff. Trinity. Yeah. Trinity's Catholic. That's always been a confusing one to me. There's certain things that I can't really explain perfectly. Yeah. But I believe them to be true. Yeah. Like I can't 100%. People talk about, like, how can you prove that there's a God? I'm like, well, I can't. Yeah. I can get, I think I can get pretty close. Like, I think I could, like, you know. The odds are probably in our favor that there is a creator God. That's what the book Mere Christianity does for, you know, that's where my journey on studying pride and humility started was that book. Um, there's a chapter in there called The Great Sin, and uh, that's where it talks about pride and humility. But leading up to that chapter, it talks a lot about, it's, it's essentially a book for the unconvinced. And so it, it approaches Christianity um, as a former atheist, which is C.S. Lewis as mm-hmm. a former atheist. And how he arrived at Christianity to be true um, without using scripture. Meaning like, if you don't believe the Bible to be true, why would you even look that direction? Yeah. That's how, that's what the whole book is. Yeah. There's a few of them like that. Another one I just started, which I've always intended on reading is uh, The Case for Christ. That's the... Um, and he's a former... Strobel guy? Yeah, Strobel. Yeah. They, they did a movie too. Uh, yeah, they may have. Uh, it's a pretty good little movie. Was he the one that was like a journalist or an author? Yes. Yeah. Right? Yep. That's a good one. He was an angry atheist. Yes. Super angry. Yeah. And then his wife got saved. Yep. And um, he started approaching it as if he were writing a piece on a on a, a criminal case or something. There's a guy named J. Warner Wallace, too, who was a cold case detective. And he, he wrote a book called Cold Case Christianity, you'd probably dig. Because he took it from the perspective of being a detective on cold case, on cold cases, and how they would re-present that to a judge. Mm-hmm. And you have to have, like, a lot more evidence. Mm-hmm. And so he actually just applied that to historical Christianity, the Bible, um, and took, took, like, a lot of secular viewpoints to try to prove it. And it was pretty fascinating. From, like, a court of law. Yeah. Like, is this true or how true could it be? Because most cold, I mean, most cases are are solved by like not that much evidence, mm-hmm. right? And they like convict people to right to prison. That's a good one too, Warren yep. Wallace. Yeah. But I, that's the way I kind of entered into it. I mean, I was raised in a Christian home, but I definitely took a bit of a more atheistic approach at some point in my life because I just wanted to be able to live the way I wanted to. I didn't want any accountability. So I kind of went through a lot of that stuff before. It's definitely more fun at times to pretend like it's not true. Absolutely. It's a lot easier. And there's, there's no, uh, there's no conviction. There's just, you know, you just do what you want. It feels right, but you're blinded. There were, there were times, and that, that's what, like, C.S. Lewis said, when I was an atheist, there were more times than not when Christianity seemed extremely uh, plausible, but as a Christian... It's the opposite. There's just no, but he's got no room in his brain to think that it's not possible. But as an atheist, he always thought it was possible. Yeah. Yeah. It's just trippy to think about. No doubt, man. But, but anyway. Yeah, I love it. I'm glad that you're so open about it. That's rare too. Yeah, I, uh, 
I was even when Jordan was on my podcast, we 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 talked about it a little bit. That's when she told me that you guys do some of those groups on YouTube. Yeah, so I do. Well, we do a Bible study as a group at the house, um, typically once a week. When we're not all scattered out over the country, we'll do once a week. We'll do a Bible study together, and uh, right now we're going through the Book of Acts. But on my YouTube channel, I'll do um, typically twice a month, every other week. A, a, you know, eight, 10 minute Bible study that is, is essentially what I'm studying at the time. So for the last year and a half, it's been a lot on pride and humility, but, uh, and I'll put those out. It's just me talking to the camera about what I've been studying and I put those out as unlisted. Mm. And that's always, you know, I'm not ashamed of my faith, but I, I'm also not necessarily a preacher. Yeah. And, um, and so through rodeotime.com, my website, and the marketing efforts that we've made over the years, I've got this this phone number that I text people on. And it is me texting, but, you know, it's in the tens of thousands. And so I'll respond to people, but also I use it for marketing. So like, hey, guys, use free ship code birthday, yeah. you know, or something like that. So I've used that phone number for the Bible study. If you'll text me the word Bible... Um, yeah, you might get some marketing text occasionally, but because it's a very expensive phone, phone line. Sure. And, um, that's what, that was its original intention was marketing, but you'll also get, um, these Bible studies twice a month. And so I, I just liked that extra step. People had to go to obtain the Bible study. Yeah. Because I don't know, I just don't think I'm qualified, but if you really want to hear what I have to say, yeah, you can go to this place. And so that, that's, that's something that, that I've, that I've, I've done for, I guess a year or so now. I can, I can respect that. I, I think, uh, a lot of people who maybe are unbelievers can respect that more even because it starts to get, and then the sermon, of course, I, I thought, well, this was, this was at a public church where anybody could have shown up. I'll just yeah. put this one on yeah. in public. And so I did that one on public and. And anyways, there's all, it was crazy like how many people in the comments ripped me apart or tried to because I was wearing a cowboy hat. Oh, in church? Yeah. Oh, Lord. Which yeah. never, it never really crossed my mind. Yeah, I mean. I've, just, I've been to so many cowboy churches, but. Yeah, no kidding. I don't know. I can see why someone would have a preference, but there were people that like, I've lost all the spirit for you. Oh, wow. Yeah, like unfollow, never. Oh, talk it. about the pride thing. No kidding. It's like not even listening to what you yeah, said. So there was there were a lot of people yeah. commenting on those comments. Like, dang, y'all did y'all y'all missed the whole sermon, didn't you? <laughs> Good grief! But you should direct them to uh, what Jesus had to say about the the Pharisees and Sadducees. It, it reminded me of you know why I like that it's on unlisted. But it's not that I you know I'm just completely opposed to people that want to criticize me. It it just I'm a YouTuber that occasionally does a Bible study. And that's why I don't feel bad about the marketing on there, on my text messages. I'm not a preacher yeah. that has a YouTube and uh, an apparel line. Yeah. I, and I'm not saying they shouldn't. Maybe it's maybe that's okay. I probably, if I were a full-time preacher, I probably wouldn't do that um, personally. But um, anyway, that's, it, that's why it's kind of affected. Am I turned good for the camera? Oh, you want them to be able to see me. Well, you but got that giant monitor right there that you can see yourself on. There you go. But um, I've gotten shredded for wearing the hat at a table, and it was like a five-second 
video. Yeah. I mean, there's definitely times like that. Yeah. I mean, I get it. I understand the conversation, <laughs> but I'm also like, I don't know. It's not worth, cause it was, it's a, not worth I mean, a fist fight. I was, I was, uh, yeah, but they also wouldn't be coming at you that strong if they were right there in front of you either. So nine, 99% of them wouldn't. You're right. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. But I, if, if people would just actually listen to what you were saying, that would have been probably more beneficial than, uh, worrying about your hat. Yeah. That's a bit peculiar, but it was are, just a curveball from it, but. But anyway, like I said, it was just a one, a random message that I, I just, because it was in a public place, I decided to, to share it as a public post. I think it's cool that you, you don't, you don't push it out there too much. In my world, you know, you've probably even been to concerts where a lot of guys are out there in front of, you know, thousands of people and they're, you know, they end up kind of doing a proselytizing thing, like in the middle of their show, you know, I want to thank my Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, you know, and doing that whole thing, which is cool if their heart's in the right spot. That's really cool. Um, but sometimes I think it rubs people the wrong way and it's, it's can be a bit flippant at times because, because, okay. The, the implication, what you're talking about is you want to thank your Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, like for what, for, I mean, he's, he is God and then he became man and then died for the sins of the world. And so that's what you're right now thanking him for. And sometimes it's a bit flippant. And it, I don't know if we're really like understanding the magnitude of it. Um, and it even kind of, I'm a believer and it kind of rubs me the wrong way sometimes. And uh, so it's even something that I'm not totally opposed to doing it, but I, I may be a little bit more guarded. And uh, if somebody wants to be in private and like have that conversation, we're going to like get into the, the pretty fine details of it. But so I can, I can uh, respect that you don't, Maybe just throw it around yeah. a whole bunch. Um, somebody wants to get to I the... definitely don't mind if somebody wants to. You know, I, I've i not necessarily been to a lot of concerts where I felt like somebody was, you know, I, I think there's there's some, some, some more of those online prosperity gospel type situations where I feel like, man, this... You guys are towing the line. Like, why are you really doing this? Sure. But at the end of the day, it's, def it's definitely not up to us to, to to judge where their hearts are at. Maybe their hearts are in the right spot. I know. I'm a little but, bit envious if, for, are, if their hearts are in the right place. For me personally, <laughs> I have, I guess I've I've tried to, early on, I was talking to my accountability partner, Jamin, like he was, I felt compelled, like once I realized that like people were watching my stuff, I felt compelled to almost go into preacher mode on certain posts and um and he he said man just I can't remember how he worded it I decided to like respect where God put me and that was a comedian on YouTube in the rodeo and western industry yeah and another thing that I learned is like anybody can say things like anybody can write a good script and like make a good godly post online and that didn't prove anything and he said where you'll have your most your biggest impact is probably the one-on-one -on -one stuff mm -hmm. so like with the interns or somebody a conversation in a booth with a fan an avid you know fan that comes back all the time like um with sponsor relationships and so though that's where the one-on-one -on -one will probably the the, the biggest impact I could have on the kingdom would probably happen there. Um, 
because I just, man, I feel like I could just load y'all full of bull crap on yeah. who I want you to think that I am, uh -huh. you know? And so that's, that's what makes me a little more hesitant. If anything, to be honest, the one thing that I'm, I'm like, that's on the tip of my tongue the most every day to, to be like, to shout for would be like my, my pro-life views. Oh, right on dude. But like, I just, which, which I don't, I, I just, I want, again, going back to, I want to respect where God put me. A lot of people use my stuff for an escape. Okay. And there's, there's so many voices out there right now. Um, that would be one that I feel like is more, you know, even more important than like two A stuff, you know, that to me is like no big deal. Like, a, you know, compared to some of the other issues, but oh, regardless, yeah. That's that's how I view it. I do feel like there may be one day that I'm put on a stage and ask questions where it gets me canceled. And if if I'm able to communicate what God has on my heart, then so be it. Yeah. You know, I'd hate to get canceled for doing something silly, but if it were to get canceled, I mean, it would suck no matter what. But <laughs> there would come a piece with time of like, okay, you got canceled for being who God called you to be. Yeah. And so there's some peace behind that for sure, but. I don't know. I don't have a grand a grand plan right now. Like I'm just trying to make wise decisions. And going back to the money thing, you know, I think I feel blessed that we're my my sister has a a girl lady that works for her who's from the Philippines and she sends all of her money back to the Philippines yeah. to her family for school, for food, for everything. And she was just the one chosen to come over here to do that. And I feel blessed that number one, I get to live in this country and number two, that God chose me to be a voice for him, not only in rodeo, but like with the, with the kind of people I get to do that with every day. Like I've just, I'm so blessed and it's a wonderful season and I don't know what the next season looks like. Maybe it's 15 more years, 20 more years of doing this. And if so, so be it. I am in love with my schedule every day and so if I get to keep doing that for 20 more years, great. But if God has a different plan, I just hope that I'm ready to do what he wants me to. That's beautiful. That's really great. So, uh, yeah, I struggle a little bit with some thankfulness stuff. Because for me, thankfulness is a lot of just like perspective. Just like you said, just even being born in this country. And mm -hmm. there's so much stuff to be thankful for. And there's usually always somebody that has it worse than you when you start feeling bad for yourself. But again, like whatever, going back to that quote, I had the, the morning I read that quote, except with gratitude, anything that reminds you of your need for humbling or brings you to it. The morning I read that was like, maybe is when I got news of like the biggest hit, the dumbest business decision I'd ever made. It was like the most trying two or three days. Okay. And so like borderline, just crippling business decision I made. Oh, Lord. And it was an accident, but, and, and. Um, like it was nobody's fault and it ended up being a good thing. But the, the point is, is like, if you've got the right attitude about, I think you cannot have any more faith than you have humility. And so if faith in Christ is what's most important, that means the more humility we have, the closer we can grow to him. And so if there's these things coming in our lives that are going to humble us, we should be grateful. Yeah. I'm not saying I'm going to be sure it's, it's a, it's a, I'm a work in progress, but I'm just saying that is, 
something on the horizon that I think all Christians should be looking at. It's a little bit of be careful what you pray for. You know, if you're praying for the attributes of God, like patience and humility. Humility is number one. Yeah, I mean, really any of a joy. I mean, like, if you're praying for patience, he's probably going to give you things that are going to make you become patient. Mm -hmm. And those probably aren't going to be super fun. If you're praying for more humility, he's probably going to give you things that are going to make you humble. Yeah, it's funny. Like, I was was like, hold on, God, I'll get there. Let me get there. I'll get there. Well, let me, I, I, my prayer is that it just doesn't take certain catastrophic events to make me humble, yeah, I mean, you know, like Lord willing, me and him can get there before it takes that. Yeah. It's actually interesting. There's, there's a, uh, I, I won't even get into details of who it is, but, uh, there's, there's a guy that I'm, I'm relatively close with and struggling with some, you know, addiction type stuff. And, uh, he's been going through it for like some years now and he's been pulled over like numerous times uh with stuff on him in his truck and whatnot and he's always been let off right and you know he says you know he's a christian and uh but he's always struggled with it and always goes back to it and so i kind of poke at him a little because the way i became a christian was a guy finally we were going through romans 9 and a guy finally said you keep struggling with these same types of things you ever thought you're not saved and that was like i had never had anybody really poke me like that before so we've we've discussed that type of stuff and uh you know, and he always says, um, he's like, man, by the grace of God, you know, I didn't go to jail those times I got pulled over and all that. And I go, you sure, it, you sure it was by the grace of God? You didn't go to jail? Well, what do you mean? It's like, well, you're still doing it, aren't you? And it's like, yeah. And it's like, well, do you think if it was from God, he would have, I mean, if you went to jail for those things, you probably wouldn't be doing it anymore. Yeah. Like, are you sure that was God that let you off and it wasn't somebody else? And that kind of like reframed his mind. Yeah. It's like, oh, dang. Yeah, that's a good point. Because, I mean, by our own human standards, we we judge things good, bad. Right. I didn't go to jail. That's good for me. Mm-hmm. You sure? Because you're still doing the same stuff. Yeah. And that, that's, that's even, that's been pretty humbling for me too. Because, yeah. gosh, we like fall into that type of stuff so often. Yeah. What's good? What's bad? What's good for me? It's like, well, you don't even know what's good for you. Right. I definitely don't know what's good for me. So it's just like weird. It's like the more, the longer I've been a Christian, my prayers have just become even more opaque in some way they've gotten more specific in some ways and then more opaque in other ways where i'm just like dude i don't know what i'm right. doing yeah so maybe that's what uh humbleness is i have no clue yeah no kidding <laughs> i don't know but i'm glad you're so open to talk about it man uh i'm actually glad that we got to have like a relatively deep conversation yeah too. i know that's probably not like the uh, i like how your 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 whole thing is based on humor and fun and yeah stuff. i mean it's in the <laughs> you get to start asking certain questions in podcasts and it can st- it can get pretty intense pretty quick. Yeah, but I'm and a- that's kind of how a lot of our podcasts end up, you know. Oh, really? Yeah. I mean, just depending on the guest. There's some like Cody Johnson and I was my la- Cody Johnson was my last podcast, and we never got serious the whole time. Sure. You know, but he and I had such a history of you know, and it was just we laughed the entire time. Yeah, know? but you guys have probably gotten to know each other on a deeper level at different times. Correct. Yeah. And so we, there were certain questions that we didn't even have to, we didn't have time to get to. Sure. We were just telling old stories. And, yeah. But yeah, it's just, it just depends on the day and the questions. But sure. Well, I can probably joke around with you more now. Oh, you're good. Now that I know yeah. more about you. <laughs> like I said, sometimes I get in this warehouse and I get in business mode. Yeah. That'll get in sales mode. That's what fascinates me. I don't know how you separate the, like, I, I don't know. That seems really difficult. I have a hard time with it with just, getting up on stage and doing that thing, but then you're also worried about like ticket sales and then like 
this happened over here and you got merch and blah, blah. It's yeah. Like, yeah. I don't know. It's, I'm still learning because like I said, like that mistake I made the other day, it's, I mean, they, they still happen. They're heavy. Oh, that was recent. Yeah. Yeah. The last six weeks, yeah, two months. Yeah. Yeah. It's definitely not the type of economy we need to be making those type of mistakes in. Yeah. But Yeah. Well, what was, what was the, what was the quote again? Humility. Except with gratitude, anything that reminds you of your need for humility or brings you to it. Beautiful. All right. Well, I think that's where we end it. Cool. Thanks, bro. Yes, sir. Thank you. Heck it yeah. was a pleasure. See y'all. Dale Brisby.